Okay, good morning. Thank you for joining in on part two of the Adventures of Dunstead, written by Adele Wilhelm. Well, the book is called Dunstead, written by Adele Wilhelm. Uh, I got a lot of good feedback from the first part, so I really do appreciate it. Happiness is. And I'd like to just continue with where we kicked off from yesterday. So, Westbury, the western border of Dunstead. Adam cursed himself, fluently at some length. He should have insisted that Carlotte come in with him directly. He should have knocked him over the head and dragged him off. He should have. He should have done a lot of things differently, but hindsight was always perfect. Looking down at the waterlodged dead man, as he was carted off to be buried, not a soul caring about who he might have been, and the town of Westbury not having a coroner to ask these questions, Adam realized that there was little to be done and no time or use for recriminations. Good riddance. Adam turned and studied the man who had spoken. He was large, raw-boned, and clearly liked his ale a little too much. Did you know him? I did not want to know him. The man spat. He was scum, making his money off the lives of other men. Adam might have told him that those men also sold their services, and thus themselves, but he did not want to antagonize the man, and he was curious as to know what he knew. You must know something about him, if you know what he did. I know him from other places. He travelled a lot, and he was not wanted anywhere. He was even driven out of his own city. Where was that? Somewhere to the west, I believe. Adam considered this. So he was not from Dunstead? Of course not. The man glared at him, noticed his uniform for the first time and edged away. Adam let him go. He dearly wanted to learn more, but the man had been spooked by the fact that he was a soldier and forcing him to talk would have brought Adam nothing. He had already learned that people who did not want to talk could be very nasty forced into it. He filed away the little bits of information he had received and considered his immediate problem. Colot was dead, and this meant that Adam had only one clue left. Reuben. He had to get back to Ravenkeep, and he had to get there as soon as possible. <coughs> that posed another problem, as he was not want to get a furlough without good reason. Another battle was imminent, and he, he and his men were essential to it. Still, he had to try. Bracken watched a small soldier as he seemed to lose interest in the dead man and walked off, deep in thought. That's him, the second man muttered. He was a big rough man, as big as rough as Bracken, and Bracken was leery of him, but he paid well. Not a problem. This is what you said about Colart, Joffrey sneered. Do not make a mistake with this man. He looks like a boy, but he fights like a fiend. Use whomever you need to, but do not mention my name. Bracken nodded. He would do the work his own way. Joffrey knew this, and he also knew that Bracken was reliable and would not open his mouth. Someday, he knew, he would have to get rid of him as well, but for now, he was still useful to him. I leave for Ravenkeep tonight, he muttered. Get it done any time after, but do it soon. Colart spoke to him, and I do not want him to talk to many people about it. It takes money to get rid of loose ends, and I want him to be the last. Bracken grinned, but did not comment. Loose ends met, meant an income for him. And so, he would not complain. He knew that Joffrey was unhappy at the manner of Colart's death, 
not at the sheer violence of the act, but because he had wanted him alive to find out exactly what he had told the young soldier. Bracken had been caught unaware, and as a result of that, the lieutenant would have to be given, gotten rid of. On the off chance that Collard had given him important information. It shall be done, he reiterated confidently. Because he was Bracken, he was the best, and he guaranteed results. Raven Keep City Saturdays were lively days in the city. The main streets came alive as the market was erected in the square, and all kinds of wares, from fresh produce to cheap jewellery, were placed on sale. With the hopeful owners trying to flog their wares to visitors who came in from around the countryside and even other cities and villages. Bards and acrobats sang and frolicked in the streets and children were awed by the intricate moves they made. Musicians were found on every street corner and magicians astounded the people with their magical powers. It was a day where people ignored the dirt on the streets, forgot their poverty and enjoyed themselves. Most of the time. War ravaged their country, destroying their monetary reserves and draining the country of its strong young men. So the revelry in the streets was not as joyful or as boisterous as it had once been. Not until the war was over and the young men could come home. Ravenkeep Castle Alexandra knew she was courting trouble, but she could not help herself. She had always been a curious girl and that curiosity had gotten her into hot water. So here she was once again walking into trouble with her eyes wide open, but the gates were open and she had never seen the castle before. Strangely enough, the guards in front of the gates did not attempt to stop her as she wondered how they would protect themselves against an army if they could not keep one woman from entering. She quietly slipped in and traversed the long swinger, feeling somewhat hemmed in as she walked, and realizing that any force that was caught in this narrow corridor and trapped between the two gatehouses stood little chance of surviving any kind of attack. And suddenly, the defenses of the castle did not seem so banal. As she exited the pathway, she slipped to the side and stood against the wall, forcing her hammering heart to calm down to a steadier pace. Though she was a woman who loved adventure, she had never dared to wander into the forbidding gates of the castle before, and she felt a moment of terror as she realized that the punishment, should she be caught here, would be worse than anything she had so far endured. Still, she was here now, and she could just as well take a look. What, after all, could be the harm? She found herself feeling somewhat disappointed as she realized that she was in the outer courtyard and that the castle was hidden behind its own wall. The courtyard was busy, with people moving to and fro, going about their work. And even though the courtyard was huge by most standards, it was just a courtyard. Where were the knights on their prancing horses, the marble statues, the... A frown made her lovely features as she, sighed, as she sighed. All the trouble she could be in and the castle was not even... Not what you expected. She swung around in shock. Surprised and stupidly stared at the ridiculously handsome man holding on to a frisky looking horse. It was a dark grey stallion, a superb animal. And she moved her sight onto the animal rather than stare at the young man. A small grin lit up his face as if he knew what she was thinking, and she bristled in annoyance. She turned her eyes to him. How dare you stick up on me like that? Her voice came out a little too high for her liking and she immediately lowered it. 
Have you no manners? The grin turned into a full smile, and Alexandra had to lock her knees as her legs seemed to turn into jelly. He was a young man, a few years older than herself. Maybe with what people would call a chiseled face and a strong, clean-shaven chin, his lips were full, his smile beautiful, and his teeth absolutely perfect. Two mischievously sparkling green eyes took in every inch of her, making her bristle again. And the whole effect was topped with a mop of wavy black hair which shone with life in the morning sun. I do actually. I was given a very extensive education. Alexander blinked in confusion, then realized that he had answered her original question. His voice was melodious and filled with laughter. Forgive me, her own voice seemed wholly inadequate. I did not see how a person with manners need to be a braggart. The horse snorted unhappily, showing no signs of calming down any time soon. The man softly crooned, patting the smooth neck before turning back to her. I merely attempted to answer your query, my lady. Well, do not put yourself out on my account. Oh, believe me, it will be no hardship. She stared at him with what was probably a foolish expression and then a glint of fury appeared in her eyes. Believe me, sir, that I am not some cheap parlour maid that you can woo with a few well-spoken words and then expect me to fall at your feet. I would truly prefer it if you did not fall anywhere. Such delicate bones would be in danger of breaking. She pulled herself to her full height, which she saw with dismay was still inches below his, and contemplated him with derision. Do not concern yourself regarding my bones, sir. I can take care of them very well by myself. She regretted the words the moment they left her lips. The utter foolishness of the statement left her mortified. And the young man must have agreed with her, for the morning rang with his laughter. Alexandra wanted to be angry, but the stupidity of the entire situation left her smiling. No, she finally answered his original question. This is not what I expected. Where are the knights and the statues? Knights! He asked through another round of scuttered laughter. You have been reading too many fairy tales, lass. We have soldiers and the royal guard, but there are no knights in shining armor. Alexander grounded her teeth, and the peace of the morning was once again disturbed as she slapped him. The people around them stopped and stared, but the astonishment on his face was even greater than any surprise they may have displayed, for a few seconds at least, before he burst into laughter once more. The grey horse did not appreciate all the nonsense and he angrily shied away, forcing the young man who was laughing almost hysterically to have to calm him down. He lovingly stroked the horse and soothingly murmured nonsense into his ear, while still giggling like a child. This distraction gave Alexandra the time to slip out of the gates, horrified at her own actions, and ran down the hill back to the marketplace, where her mistress and her brat of a nephew would surely find something to punish Alexandra for. She was meant to be selling vegetables, not going exploring. Still, it had been worth it. The young man had a refreshing wit and a friendly countenance, and he had brightened her day. She wondered who he was. He handled the horse like an expert, so he could possibly be one of the stable hands, but his clothing was much too fine for that. Perhaps he was the stable overseer, or something like that. Either way, 
She was glad that she had run into him and hoped that she might someday get to see him again. Andrew had to admit to a certain amount of regret. Had it not been for the horse shying, he might have had a longer conversation with the delightful creature who had certainly made his morning a great deal more pleasant than it had been so far. The lass had obviously been curious, and like anyone else who wanted a glimpse of the castle, had been disappointed. But Andrew had not been. The moment he had seen the girl, he had been astounded by her beauty. She was a tall, slender girl, well-rounded where she needed to be, but perhaps a little too thin. She did not have the ravishing beauty of most of the ladies he was frequently introduced to, but there was real character in her face, which had captured him and held him. Her face was long, with high cheekbones, full lips and captivating amber eyes that could speak almost as clearly as she could. Her hair was dark, blonde, and unlike other ladies, hung loosely down her back, tied up with a piece of string. Her clothes were poor and threadbare, which confirmed to him what he already knew. The girl did not have a title. She must have been a commoner in town from, for the market day, and her curiosity had gotten the better of her. Andrew smiled. He was very glad it did. Andrew! He sighed in frustration, frustration and turned to the portly man who bore down on him with a speed belying his frame and a murderous look on his face. Where do you think you are going? The man, had, the man had a voice which could take the whitewash off walls and he had no qualms in making himself heard from any distance. You have duties to perform and I will not see you ride out of those gates for, for a frivolous romp in the country. Well, if anybody had wondered where he was, the whole kingdom would have guessed by now. The courtyard, still bustling with people, suddenly seemed very small. He patiently waited until the portly man was close enough to him to communicate in, a, in at least a normal tone of voice. I am aware of my duties, Felix, he calmly informed the heavily breathing man. It is not as if you don't remind me of them every day. Perhaps I do. He just, his decibel level had dropped to at least half of what it had been before. But that is only because you need a constant reminder. If it were up to you, you would be out in the countryside every day, shirking your duties with the excuse that you must exercise your horses. But I do need to exercise my horses, he replied in a mock hurt. A smile was threatening to break out, however. Felix, despite his bluster and seemingly harsh words, was a good friend. He was pinned with a look that told him he, he was fooling nobody, nobody. Felix sighed. You know the situation in the kingdom at this time, your highness, and your father needs your help and counsel. It was his turn to sigh. My father resents my counsel, Felix, and nothing I do is ever good enough. If you wish to inspire me, you should try something more convincing. The horse snorted, and Andrew patted him again. He needs you right now, Felix retorted. The situation on the border has become more dire every day, and the people are losing faith in him. Andrew was silent. He knew exactly what the situation on the borders were like. His father was not the only person who had avenues of information. And the attitude of the people, well, that was his father's own folly. Certainly the people were losing faith in their king. They were being taxed beyond reason. The king no longer spoke to his people and the situation only seemed to be getting worse. The war needed to be ended. Yet the king kept sending more men to die rather than looking for a way to make peace. He has Harold, Andrew muttered. And Charles, let them advise him. He ignored Felix's scowl. What I need to do right now is to take Kaiser here for a walk around the courtyard. 
His leg is still not absolutely healed, but he needs exercise. And yes, he said, as he saw the look on Felix's face, after that I will be in to take care of my duties. Felix eyed him askance, but Andrew, Crown Prince of Dunstead, had never really skirted his duties. As tedious as he might find them, he understood his responsibilities to the land and its people, and he fulfilled it to the best of his abilities. Now, if only he and the king could sort out their differences, things might be a lot happier within the castle walls. Okay, I'm going to finish there. Uh, I do apologize for a lot of background noise, uh, airplanes and whatnot flying over. I will try my best to get some better recording equipment to make it more pleasant. But I do appreciate the listening. I appreciate the views, the downloads. Um, thanks a lot, guys. And uh, if I can just ask you to keep sharing uh, the book with people you may know, just trying to get the book out there. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. I'll, uh, you'll hear from me again in part three. Have a good one.